What up fam, I'm Elena, a certified nutrition coach, personal trainer, and hormone specialist. I'm a former public educator turned holistic fitness coach, and I'm on a mission to disrupt diet culture and educate individuals on how they can heal their gut issues, hormone imbalance, and food relationships caused by chronic dieting, inflammation, and autoimmune or chronic illness. My philosophy for coaching is simple. Eat more, move better, feel amazing, because life is too short to feel like shit. So let's dive in. Welcome everybody to What the Funk. Today we are in episode 54. I'm very much looking forward to today's conversation. We're going into non-supplement strategies for supporting hormone and metabolic health. Now, hormone and meta metabolic health are more or less linked. Uh, your metabolism is going to be directly linked to your hormone health. However, um, using the language of hormone and metabolic health means that people, hey, no, hey, this is going to be related to my metabolism because it is all linked. So if you're a coach and you're listening and you're like, Elena, that's redundant. I'm Yes, I know it's redundant, but really I want to make sure that this content is very accessible to anybody, even people who don't necessarily have a fitness, nutrition, or hormone health background. Okay. So why are supplements popular? There's, there's two different camps of popular supplementation that we see. We see sort of the camp of fitness supplementation, and this is going to be like along the lines of pre-workouts, pump products, protein powders, um, things like that. And then you have sort of the health stack where this gets people into like greens, detox things, stuff like that. And there is a middle ground and there is a way to be realistic with your supplementation. That's not what we're talking about today. I will have another episode on specific supplements and use case scenarios of what's appropriate from a baseline perspective and what are things that people could consider that are safe for majority of individuals. Again, whenever you bring in a new supplement, always make sure that you're checking with your doctor. You may be on a medication or something that would not make a certain supplementation appropriate. It's why even with my clients, I'm always getting their updated medications list because I want to make sure that anything that we're doing is not something that's going to cause problems with something that they're already taking that they are maybe prescribed. And I'm always asking them, Hey, make sure you're disclosing any adjustments that we make to your plan, including your supplementation with your medical provider as you go in. And you can even update your doctors, you know, without an appointment, you can just call, leave a message for the MA. Hey, I just want to put this on my file. I'm starting to take these vitamins. Can you please add this in? Thank you so much. Make sure you keep a note of the day you called, what you asked and the message that you left, just in case you go in and they didn't put it in. You want to make sure that you're calling because people are human and some something like adding vitamins and minerals to a chart for like a medical assistant might fall on like a low priority list of things because it's not like an urgent right now situation. And you always want to make sure that you are covering your bases with your medical advocacy. Don't put that into the hands of other people, making sure that it's going to be taken care of. That's a, you have to be in charge of that. Anyway, I digress. So going into checks and balances specifically with supplements and why I think that leveraging non-supplementation is so, so, so important. One, there's the financial impact of supplements, right? I am very cognizant of this when somebody starts to work with me. They've hired me as their coach and now I'm also asking them to maybe buy some supplements. Now, granted for me, the baseline of what I'm gonna be having somebody do is like a multivitamin, an EPA, DHA, and a vitamin D most likely in some way, shape or form. There's different ones that I recommend for different use case scenarios. That's gonna be a stack that is gonna be mostly usable and safe for the majority of people. Keep in mind that if you're on like a thyroid medication, you're not gonna wanna take any of those vitamins and minerals within four hours of taking your thyroid medication. So maybe taking those with lunch, knowing that your thyroid medication needs to be taken in the morning and waiting at least 45 to 60 minutes before eating after you take your meds. Um, there's other specific scenarios. That's one of the most common ones. Those vitamins and minerals and vitamin D specifically will keep that thyroid medication from absorbing properly into your body and being used, which then impacts how it's affecting your thyroid function, which is not a good thing. 
Anyway, so checks and balances with some limitation, the financial impact, okay? We're not wanting to introduce more than what somebody is gonna be realistically gonna be able to maintain from a supplement standpoint, which is why I'm very, uh, in the majority of scenarios, very conservative with my recommendations. And I only bring in specialty recommendations in very specific scenarios. And I always have a discussion with my client of, what are you comfortable bringing in? What are you not bringing in? Can you give me an idea of what you are comfortable spending on a monthly basis for your vitamins and supplements? And we're going to prioritize always those things that are going to help somebody meet their baseline health needs. Again, solid multivitamin, vitamin D, EPA, DHA, fish oil that is super high quality. That's going to get them a thousand milligrams each of EPA and DHA ideally. Going into also the consideration of somebody being potentially consistent with those vitamins and minerals. Um, Most people are not going to take all of their vitamins every single day, especially if they struggle with executive dysfunction. So like even I myself have a small stack of things I take on a regular basis. I take some specific things for my thyroid. I do take a multivitamin. I take an EPA DHA as well as, oh, what is the other thing I take? I take a uh, sulforaphane that helps with estrogen clearance as a general concept because I do have endometriosis. And so I just to give my body a little bit of added support in that department. And that really does help reduce some of my more severe endometriosis symptoms. But I have ADHD. Yay for me. Not really because ADHD really is not a super fun time. And you can struggle with executive dysfunction for several reasons. It can be due to trauma. It can be due to ADHD, due to depression, due to anxiety. And that means that sometimes showing up and taking these things every single day can be a bit of a struggle. Now, I will say that if you're taking vitamins consistently, consistently doesn't necessarily need to mean every single day. It can be, hmm, I got it like four or five days out of the week and that's still gonna be better than not taking it at all. But if you have somebody who really struggles with basic behaviors on a regular basis, throwing in a large stack of supplements to their coaching protocol is not going to be something that they're gonna be able to sustain for a very long period of time. You wanna kind of ease them in. And you also wanna make sure they understand why they're taking what they're taking. So we have two considerations for supplements finances, as well as consistency of, is somebody going to actually use this if I ask them to do it, or are they going to buy it? And then it's going to sit in their pantry and they're going to completely forget about it. And that's where you kind of have to do your due diligence as a coach. And I know that's kind of tricky because, you know, people will do it and then they forget and then you assume they're doing it. And then they are like, well, I'm not. And then like, for me, sometimes like a client will come back with their lab work and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought you were taking this thing. And they're like, oh my God, I totally forgot about it. And so we have to do our due diligence as coaches to, to follow up on that as frequently as we can. Um, I typically like to add it in as a daily habit, um, and follow up on that as well. I'll make a note in my client's check-in feedback at the top. I have kind of a section that I keep for myself for notes and I say, make sure you check in about supplements on a regular basis. I've kind of learned my lesson there because people are human and we forget, we get busy. It's one more thing on our to-do list. I totally understand, but the financial impact of what somebody is going to be able to sustain as well as consistency of, is somebody going to actually utilize this on a regular basis if I ask them to bring it in. Okay. So now some scenarios in which using supplementation can be more beneficial is like I said, those more specialty situations. So somebody maybe who is struggling with estrogen clearance for somebody with endometriosis, um, or they've been on birth control for a long time, bringing in sulforaphane, um, can be something really, that's really beneficial. And it's, uh, it's not the cheapest thing to bring in. I'm not going to lie. A quality sulforaphane is going to run somebody about like anywhere from like 60 to $70 for, I want to say like a 90 tablet supply, which is not inexpensive, right? Let's just be real. And everything is getting more expensive nowadays. 
but you have the alternative there in that situation of increasing their daily greens intake. And you can kind of say, Hey, if you don't get all of your greens and veggies in on a day, make sure you take this and they can kind of leverage both the supplementation as well as the greens intake. And that goes for any of you out there. If you're dealing with heavy PMS, things like that, heavy mood swings, you have a lot of cramps, estrogen clearance might be something that you're struggling with. And so leveraging maybe a supplementation alongside nutrition might be beneficial. Um, in situations with a thyroid, depending on what medication somebody is on with their thyroid, there's different specialty supplementations that we can bring in that more target thyroid function and healthy conversion of T4 to T3. But again, those are specific scenarios and that would be something that you would discuss with your client and be like, Hey, we've covered our basics with this. If you want to add some support for your thyroid here, here's a couple of options for you. Is this something that you would be comfortable bringing in and maintaining for the long term? And if the answer is yes, awesome. Move forward with it. If the answer is no, you might go back to the drawing board. I have several different recommendations that I make for people, depending on what they're willing to invest in on a regular basis and depending on what they're willing to do on a regular basis. And if somebody's just not going to do it and they're going to struggle through it and it's going to be an uphill battle, I'm I'm going to focus in on what we're aiming to talk about today, which is the non-supplement strategies for supporting hormone and metabolic health. Now, a lot of this stuff is not going to be super groundbreaking. This is stuff that you guys have heard me talk about before. If you've been around on my Instagram, if you've been around on the podcast for a long time. So situations and behaviors and considerations for lifestyle and environment for this type of support. So the first thing's gonna be first is gonna be sleep and sleep quality. You guys are probably rolling your eyes at me right now because I will go on and on about this for forever. And even my clients know I'm always asking them in their check-in forms if they're doing a daily biofeedback form, how did they sleep? How is their energy waking up? Are they struggling to fall asleep? Are they struggling to stay asleep? Are they sleeping enough, but they're still tired the next day? Things like that are important to know. So things that we can do to help correct this without bringing in any kind of supplementation is doing a digital detox. Most people are really not okay putting their phones away and putting it on do not disturb or putting it across the room about an hour before they need to go to bed because we're so conditioned to be on our phones and get that constant entertainment, but really allowing ourselves to turn off our brains. Now, even if somebody says, oh, but it helps me unwind. I'm sure it does help you unwind because it's mindless entertainment, but it's not doing anything for your hormone health or your sleep quality. It's ramping you up internally. So that phone needs to go away anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes before bed, even more if you can. I love to put my phone away like way earlier than that. And that's when I will read. People are like, Elena, how do you read so many books every year? Fun fact, I read about 250 books annually. I don't do it on purpose. That is part of the ADHD. I read really, really, really fast. <laughs> and I can sit there and hyperfixate on a book for an hour and a half a day, you know? So I go through books very, very quickly. However, that's when it's time to say, hey, what are the other strategies you can do to relax at night? Can you do a puzzle? Can you do some coloring? Can you read a book? Can you find a new hobby? Can you crochet? Can you, what can you do that's not you staring and scrolling mindlessly on your phone? Now, if people are like, well, what if I want to like watch a show? I'm like, that's fine. Go ahead and watch a show, but you have to have a cutoff time at the end of the night of this is when the devices turn off and this is when I turn to other activities that are not screen time. Okay. That are not screen time. I know that seems wild in today's day and age, but you got to get off the screen. 
Do you need to get a new pillow? Do you need to get a weighted blanket? Oh my gosh. When I got a weighted blanket, it completely changed the game for me being able to stay asleep because I was really struggling with my sleep at one point. And I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? This is when my anxiety during a stretch where my anxiety was really, really bad. And I got a weighted blanket and it was game changing. And now I absolutely love it. And I don't feel like I can snuggle into bed without it because it sort of stimulates that hug that you get from somebody and hugging actually will calm down the fight, the fight or flight response. And that weighted blanket stimulates that. And it kind of puts us into that rest or digest and gets us out of fight or flight mode a little bit easier. If we have a little bit of a weighted blanket, do you need a noise machine? Do you need blackout curtains? Do you need blue light glasses for the end of the night? I have a rule that if it gets past 6 PM, I'm putting on blue light glasses. If I am working a little bit later, and that's just the rule that I have. I have blue light glasses wandering all over my house and all of my prescription lenses now also have blue light in them. I started making that change like three, four years ago, where every time I had to get a new pair of glasses, I would get a pair that's got blue light lenses in them. And some places that I like to get them from, I do like Abi Direct. Um, I also like Glasses USA. Warby Parker is a great place to get glasses if you don't have insurance coverage for your prescription lenses. They will do them for a fairly low price at a cost. I have a really cute pair of glasses that I got from Warby Parker that are like super patterned, thick frame, very stylish, very me, very loud. Maybe they're not trendy, but they're definitely my style. And I got them from Warby Parker and they were under $200 for prescription lenses with blue light blockers in them. And if you've ever purchased glasses before, you know how expensive prescription lenses can be. Um, and I absolutely love them. But then I also have some that are non-prescription that I got from Amazon and you can get them very inexpensively on Amazon, some just regular blue light blockers and they will definitely do the trick. And I keep a pair in my purse. I keep a pair in my backpack. I keep a pair on my desk. I keep a pair in my bedroom just so I always have some kind of blue light lens on me, especially in the evening. And when that clock hits six and I look and I'm like, Oh, it's six o'clock. I need to put my blue light blockers on or put on my prescription glasses that don't have that have the blue light in them. Um, because blue light will inhibit your melatonin production, which will inversely negatively impact your cortisol production. So that will affect your diurnal rhythm or your sleep wake cycle. Um, and a noise machine, don't underestimate a noise machine. I go to sleep before really anybody else in my house goes to sleep and it's very kind of noisy and we have all tile on a single story home. And so everything echoes. So like if I'm laying in my bedroom, I can hear the TV and noise and movement in the kitchen, especially because our master bedroom backs up to the wall where the kitchen is. So if somebody goes to do something in a cabinet or the microwave, it will travel. The sound will travel. And so I put on like a fireplace rain sound. Um, and that's what I use to fall asleep to. And that's very relaxing. It's very relaxing. Okay. So stress management. Some of this stuff is going to be a little woo-woo, but you kind of need to be a little woo-woo when you want to start taking care of your hormones, okay? Affirmations and gratitude. And this doesn't need to be big, long journaling throughout the day, but it absolutely will rewire your brain. There is a concept called neuroelasticity. And if you're trying to heal from any type of chronic stress or relationship with yourself or relationship with your body or repair your self-worth, doing affirmations and gratitude will change the way you view yourself and it will change the way you view the world. It can be as simple as writing down one or two things in each category a day. But if you do it daily, and one thing that I recommend doing here is I started doing this because I had a dated planner and I didn't use the dated planner as a planner. I used it as just a journal to write some gratitude and affirmations 
daily and having a space dedicated every day to do that made it much, much easier to stay accountable to that. And it's absolutely impacted my mindset. It's impacted how I view myself. It's impacted how I view the world and it's had a very positive impact on my stress. So when I do feel overwhelmed, I can sit there and I can reflect on those and it changes the way I think and that lowers my stress levels. Finding hobbies outside of the gym. Now we all know that exercising consistently will absolutely help your stress management, but your your, your gym activities and your fitness can't be your entire identity because that's also unhealthy. And you could very much get lost in the concept of being like the fit person or the fit friend because of how we perceive fitness. And so it's healthy to exercise. It is healthy to eat lean proteins and eat lots of vegetables and get some healthy fats in and eat balanced meals throughout the day, but it can't become your entire personality for forever. Now, sometimes people kind of have to dive into it to really get into it, but eventually there needs to become some balance. So do you do a sport for fun? Do you read? Do you have a social group? Do you knit? Do you crochet? Do you any other type of craft? Do you like to get outdoors? Do you like to go hiking? Do you like to go camping? Things like that. You have to have hobbies outside of the gym and outside of work. Okay. Other activities that aren't necessarily maybe a hobby or something that you have to be good at, like coloring, doing puzzles. Don't discount those things just because you're not a kid anymore. They can be really, really effective. I have a couple of my clients that got coloring books and they're like, this is my favorite thing to do at the end of the night now. And I look forward to it every single day. So like every single day they're like, ah, oh, I'm so excited to get into my cool coloring book and I'm working on this picture and they love it. And coloring might not be your thing, but again, you have to give yourself the opportunity to try activities to help reduce your stress. So what do we do from a non-supplement standpoint to improve digestive health? Now, in some scenarios, it is important to understand that digestive health supplements will be necessary, especially if somebody is dealing with very chronic, very high level digestive issues. How do you know if you're dealing with that? There's a few things that we can do and various ways I assess my clients and we will also sometimes bring in more advanced testing. However, the reality is, is that this might be necessary, but Whenever we are bringing in that more specialty and targeted supplementation specific to digestive health, it's always on a very specific timeline. It's not going to be for forever. And I make sure that my clients understand that, hey, we're bringing this in specifically to target this. This is what we're going to monitor. This is how we're going to monitor it. And it's not for forever. So especially don't feel like if you're not like a quote unquote gut health coach that you can't help your clients with their digestive health by some simple implementations of lifestyle changes. And that's what we're going to get into. And it can be a little bit scary to kind of get into, well, what do I do for my gut health? Whether you're a coach or just somebody that's looking to improve your digestive health and supplementation can be very overwhelming. And we're not going to get into digestive health supplementation because there's so many considerations, but it is a conversation worth having because there's a lot that we can do that's very low hanging fruit from a digestive health standpoint that will help us improve bloating, deal with constipation, things like that, that have nothing to do with supplementation. And the first thing is chewing your food and eating more slowly. Now, I know that sounds weird, but how many of you are so guilty of like scarfing down something in the car or eating through your lunch at your desk and you're trying to get through it as fast as possible because you need to get on to the next thing. And we've all done it. We've all been there and we will all do it at some point again in the future. But if we could be more mindful of trying to slow down for our meals and chewing our food thoroughly, that's the first step of digestion is chewing your food. And the better you break down your food while you're eating, the less 
pressure you're putting on the rest of your digestive system to break down that food and absorb those nutrients. So your digestive process will be more efficient if you chew your food more thoroughly and more effectively. Another thing um, in regards to eating more mindfully and the actual, again, food habits, the actual practice of eating is I love, love, love having people do two or three deep breaths before they eat a meal. And it's actually a habit that I bring into my clients' programs every now and then. If they start to cite a little bit more bloating, they're getting full a little bit more quickly, and they're maybe struggling with some bloating after meals, and it's kind of an acute scenario, and maybe stress in their life is a little bit higher, this is what I recommend them do. You take a deep breath in, hold it for three, four seconds, and then release that and do that two or three times. And that will prompt your body to get out of fight or flight mode before you eat, which will definitely help reduce discomfort with your digestive system after a meal, especially right after a meal. Okay. Other things that we can do, especially if you deal with constipation on a regular basis, eating larger meals, with slightly more space in between them will help improve essentially satiation during a meal and higher levels of satiation, or at least having a larger bolus of food within the system will help improve that gastric emptying. It will help encourage those muscular contractions that will help move food through and help reduce constipation. Likewise, on the flip side of things, we also have to consider how that impacts the stress on your digestive system. What's really interesting is I find people that don't say they don't snack a lot, but then they end up kind of snacking as the day goes on. I actually had uh, one of my friends call me out on this. I was like, I don't snack a lot. And then I'm visiting her at her house. And she's like, Elena, you absolutely snack a lot. And I was like, I do. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. Granted, I wasn't having any negative impacts on my digestion. So it wasn't something that I really ever thought to look in at myself, but I will look at this with clients of, Hey, let's look at your food log. How frequently are you kind of snacking and grazing in between? Cause I like see your meals, but then I see kind of these other random things. Like when are these happening? And they're like, Oh yeah, just like grab bites of things here and there between meals. But you really need that time in between meals for your body to be able to fully go through the digestive process and then be able to cue it effectively for the next time you eat a meal. And so if you're constantly making those muscles turn and work, you're not only going to not be clearing your bowels effectively, but you're also putting a lot of stress on the gastric system, which then in turn can cause some more physical stress on your body. And if you know, you know, that connection between the gut brain axis, what ends up happening is if your body is in stress or your digestive system is in distress, that's going to potentially cause more psychological stress because of the gut-brain axis, which is where the enteric nervous system meets the central nervous system. And that's what cues that additional stress. So that's why like when you get stressed or you get overwhelmed, you get maybe a little bit of tummy ache, or if you have kind of a tummy ache, you kind of feel like a bit of a mental fog. There's a link there for sure. It's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the, the anxiety or the tummy ache? I have no idea, but it's all connected. And so giving yourself some more structured meal times and meal timing um, and changing up the meal sizes. And again, it's not a one size fits all, but it's something worth considering and looking into when we're looking at non-supplement strategies for improving digestive health. So how does this all tie together? Okay. So we talked about some very, very broad concepts with some very specific things that you can implement on a regular basis. Okay. That are non-supplement strategies. We talked about sleep and sleep hygiene and your sleep environment, stress management, and different things to do for that, as well as digestion and food habits. So what do you focus on first? I always say sleep and stress management 
and digestion all kind of go hand in hand. So it's like, what do you focus on first? Um, all three, but I wouldn't recommend overhauling everything all at once. I would pick like one thing from each area because it's very easy to kind of like set a, set a reminder for yourself to eat more slowly that day. Um, be more mindful of your food portions and your meal sizes. Um, it's very easy to pick up an undated notebook and write some affirmations or gratitude. And again, if you're stuck on like, what do I write? There's apps for that. Look something up online to help get the wheels turning. And then the more you do it, the easier it is to get that writing. Um, go pick up a coloring book from the store. Uh, go order some blue light glasses on Amazon. And again, these are very low ticket items that we can do to start making positive strides within our stress management and digestive health. Now, if you're a coach and you're like, how the heck do I implement this with my clients? I actually have something for you. I have with something called a foundational habits survey. And this is something that I like to give to my clients um, at varying frequencies, depending on what we're working on, that helps us really analyze what's actually going on. Because how many of you are actually asking your clients, are you on your phone before you go to bed? Um, when was the last time you asked your clients about how is their digestion and bloating and their bowel movements, especially after they eat? You might not be asking these questions yet, and you might not know how to ask those questions. So by taking them through the survey, which does talk about sleep and hygiene and environment, and stress management, as well as digestion, you can start to pinpoint what are behaviors and habits that I can bring into somebody's daily life. And so I left the link for that for my coaches that are listening to this down below. So you can access that. There's a loom video and just a basic document. It's nothing super fancy or super crazy, but it is something that you can plug into your coaching right away. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being here today on today's episode of what the funk. I hope you have a fantastic day, uh, or night or morning or whenever you're listening to this. And if you are listening and you did enjoy the podcast, feel free to take a screenshot, post it to your stories, tag me. I love to see when you guys are listening and tuning in. And if you have any ideas of topics that you want me to bring into the podcast, please let me know. I would love to make this about you. This is a resource for you, the community, for my people that, that are just out there trying to improve their health, my coaches that are trying to be better coaches. This is a resource for you. So I definitely want to hear from you about what you want to hear coming up on the podcast, especially in 2024. I'm super excited. Thank you guys again for so much for being here. I'll talk with you later. Thank you so much for tuning into the What The Funk podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and don't forget to take a screenshot. Tag me on Instagram. My handle is at elena.m.fit. I would love to hear what you want to hear on the podcast. I do respond to DMs. I would love to talk with all of you. I'm so excited for you being here today. Thank you so much for the support and I will see you next time. Just a quick disclaimer for the information found in the What the Funk podcast. I am not a licensed medical professional, mental health professional, or registered dietitian. The advice and recommendations given out on this channel and on this podcast are not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition or mental health condition. If you do think you have a medical condition, please speak with your medical provider. Please consult your medical provider before implementing any kind of supplement regimen or exercise regimen or nutrition regimen into your lifestyle, as well as be aware that listening to this podcast does not constitute a coach-client relationship. Thank you guys so much.